Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, guys, we're back this week to do our review show. This is the first review show of the year. Um, well, after that, all I can say was that was fun. That was some of the ugliest football I've seen. Some interesting things happened. Any yes. of you guys want to discuss what you took away from this weekend? Start with you, Kendall. You want to go first? Uh, one thing I took away from this week is this is the reason why you play the game. You know, you always have ideas of who you think is going to win, who you th- what you think is going to happen, but until they kick the ball off, you really don't know. So some of the ideas we had going into this thing, say, you know, last Thursday – to now has changed quite a bit so it's mm-hmm. really interesting one thing you took away colin uh rankings don't matter preseason you know they they put them up there for discussion with the with the fans but you know just like kendall was saying you had to play the game you prove everything on the field yep ethan one thing you took away from this weekend just in general anything at all uh, jockstrap excuse me i keep going to refer to that so people know who we're talking about what do you like this week jockstrap i like the I like the Notre Dame and Texas game. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah. You're right. I mean, that was probably game of the week so far. I, uh, uh, FSU and Ole Miss going to have a hard time living up to that one. Yes, they will. Brady, one big thing you took away from this weekend? I'm on board with everybody else. Rankings at the beginning of the year are pointless. They just give us something to, to argue back and forth, I guess. But Which is inherently their point. True. True. So, But they're still pointless. They're saying they serve a purpose. Without them, you wouldn't have all the discussion, and people wouldn't be near as pissed off. Well, and I agree. They definitely do serve. They definitely do serve a purpose, especially just, in the terms of the media. Right. They serve a purpose to tell us what teams were like last year. Yeah, I mean, and that's all you can base it off of, because especially in college, more than anything, in the NFL, you kind of have a core that may last six, seven, eight years. College football, you're lucky if you get two years out of a core. Well, and, it's just, it's opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's it. Ha- I mean, here's the other thing too. They don't get the time to prepare for it as they did like in the 80s and the 70s. They don't have the physical content. I don't think the teams are physically as ready nowadays to play the first week as they were. I think it's two or three games into the season before you really start to see what a team looks like now more than it ever happened before. Well, not only that, so, but you can't stockpile people like you could back then either. No. Like, you know, your Alabamas and Oklahomas and stuff would have 90 people on their team that could play anywhere. Whereas yeah. now, you know, they, they limit yeah. stuff. So they, the, the talent spread out across more across the board to other schools. Oh, makes yeah. a difference too. I've seen stat. I've seen uh, quotes from Switzer talking about how he would go get a kid just because he knew might never play, just so Texas couldn't get him. I mean, that was literally the reason he would do it. You know, things like that. So I mean, it, it was. But I will say this: when the '85 scholarship took into place, what was that? The early '90s, like '90, 90, '91, I think. When that came into play, everybody said what couldn't be happening is what Saban is looking like he's doing. I yes. mean, it, everybody said what he's doing could not be done, and it's he's built a machine there that does not miss. So. He's built a machine, and he's also hired every former coach for some position. Oh, yeah. So he, just, yeah. he just hired Steve Sarkeesian, or however you say his last name, Sarkeesian. from yeah. USC. Yeah, that's – I mean, he's got – that's another thing. He has incredible coaches and has and has made a couple guys' careers, and it's – what he's doing there is pretty special. I hate to admit that. Believe me, I can't stand it. I don't like Alabama. But at some point, you got to tip your hat to the guy and say, that's impressive. Yeah, I think just the resources that he's allowed to get – at Alabama help him tremendously. Oh, yeah. They've got a bigger pocketbook than anybody but Texas probably. So, I mean, and you can see that. Who else could hire Steve Sarkeesian for what he's going to demand to be a special assistant to basically wipe 
Um, Analyst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically to clean up all the messes. So, I mean, I you know, I don't know. But anyway, moving on. You guys want to do your hot takes for the weekend? Yeah. Your most positive and negative things you saw all weekend before sure. we get into this? Sure. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah. All ahead. right. All right. Well, the best thing i seen this week uh, was probably Texas quarterback play. Kind of surprised me, uh, both with passing with Michelle and then the running with swoops. I thought it was pretty impressive. And the worst thing i seen was the quarterback play of LSU. That interception he threw at the end of the game was probably the worst interception that I have probably ever seen. It was absolutely uh, – it's almost like he had money on Wisconsin to win the game. It was b- that bad. He, I, he hit the guy right in the chest with the ball. It was bad. I agree. I, I wanted – like I think Desmond said this – Desmond Howard said this the next day. Um, I would literally like to grab him as a coach and say, please walk me through that and tell me what did you see. Because I, I'm not understanding what makes you think whatsoever, especially given your capabilities that we've seen limited and limited. You know, he's not that great of a quarterback. What What did you see to try to make that throw? It was never going to happen. No, no, it so, was not. It was, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible decision. All right, Colin, what, what did you, was your best and worst of the week? Well, uh, for best, I'm going with you. I think the uh, Texas QB combination was – it just worked perfectly. I mean, you had the big plays through the passing game, which have been completely non-existent over the last – what five years? Yeah, you, there was no. You were not afraid of them hurting you. Exactly. I mean, yeah. unless they got lucky. Then the uh, the eighteen wheeler package it worked to perfection. It was exactly what mm-hmm. they wanted. Uh, for worst, I had Dakota Austin with OU tackling the bo- the blockers uh, on one of their <laughs> running plays. That, yes, that I was. Try to get somebody down, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably the last we we see of him for a while, unless it's just a reserve position. I I uh, I tend to agree with you, and if not, there's gonna be some upset people because there's more talented people behind him. Yep. So, um, Ethan, your best and worst of the weekend? Uh, like I said earlier, my best is uh, Texas and Notre Dame. And my worst is is Appalachian State and Tennessee. It was one, it was one of the most boringest games I've ever seen. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well said. It's pretty bad. Brady, what was your best and worst of the weekend? My best is similar to you guys with the Texas, but along the lines of Sterling Gilbert, what he was able to do with that offense over just an offseason. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, I think Texas getting a lot of flack. Charlie Strong getting a lot of flack for sending the president and plane up there to try to convince Sterling Gilbert to leave Tulsa. Oh yeah, I made fun of him. I'll yeah, be honest, I did. So did I. That really paid off for them. I mean, to be able to turn around that offense in not even a year. Well, I mean, they look they look pretty good. There was a right com- out the gate. There was a confidence that hasn't been there in the last number oh, of yeah. years. Yeah, the players, you could tell the players and the coaches believed yeah. in what they were doing. Yeah, and some swagger. Work. Exactly. And it, yeah. and I don't know about you guys, in my opinion, watching Swoops running the ball now that he knows he doesn't have to be the guy is a whole other animal. I mean, he has no yep. fear of anybody. He was trucking people. He will, That one where he lined up there at the end and took out like two guys and hurt another one, he had. Yeah. He was not going to be denied, and that, that was him. Impressive. He did not run the ball that way when he was the starting quarterback. Which I can, you know, there's some fear if you get hurt, what could happen? And he's a man. Good lord, big, big that's a kid. big dude running the ball. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's one my. Of, uh, sorry, sorry. Go worst, ahead. worst of the weekend was LSU offense. I thought that this offseason they'd actually get something going on the offensive side of the ball and be able to start out clicking, but. My uh, my final four pick is looking pretty bad with LSU there, especially if the offense stays like that. Join the crowd. I'm I'm with you already. I picked them too, so I'm I'm in trouble too. Well, my my question is, and I, we've all had this discussion off air for years. I know me and Colin have had it for sure. How a how does LSU not get a quarterback? I mean, in my opinion, if they've had a quarterback with the talent they put in the NFL, 
they are probably doing what Alabama's been doing for the last five or six years and be at least matching them. Well, look at look at the receivers they put in the NFL. Odell Beckham, yeah. Javaris Landry. Okay. I mean, you start going through the list, there's tons of tons of talent at the wide position yeah. that they do not utilize whatsoever. Exactly. They can't throw the ball. Exactly. And their offensive line is great every year. They've got what they need. But here's the other thing. How do you not after everything they went through at the end of last year, Les Miles, we're coming after you, we're gonna take your job. You know, I've heard things that Jim had Jimbo Fisher and some personal problems he had went another way that Les probably would have been out, but once Jimbo called and said, I can't take that job, they ended up keeping him. It was that close to him being gone from what I'm hearing. So yep. if if that's the case and all that happened and you know what the, the general census of that was about, the lack of offense, the lack of production, tired of, you know, basically you can earn the starting job at LSU if you can get across, whoever gets across the 50-yard line first wins the job. I mean, it, it's gotten to that point. How do you not improve upon that after all of that in a year? I don't understand. Like somebody, please help me figure that out. Well, I think I'm with you problem. on that. I think Les Miles. I think this is his last year there. I think they finally cut the cord. Unless they're able to. I mean, unless that first game was a fluke. But yeah, well, man, I mean, it, it's they look. They look really, really awful. It's first week, and I expect a lot of these teams to look differently. But yes. Well, I think part of LSU's problem with recruiting quarterbacks is that they run the ball so much. I mean, they're they're a mm-hmm. run first team. Good quarterbacks are going where they can throw the ball. Oh yeah. And outside of a few teams, you know, Alabama. Get get the game manager quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but but the LSU quarter- hasn't even had that. I, I agree. They haven't even had that. But a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the quarterbacks are going elsewhere to play where they know that hey, oh. we may not be playing for a national title, but we're going to be throwing the ball forty times a game, and we're getting seen by NFL teams. We're not yeah. just going out and throwing twelve passes a game. Yeah, we're going to the Pac-12 or the Big Twelve. Right. Throw. It's the, my reverse theory of why the Big Twelve has so many hard times getting great defensive linemen in this league. Would you rather hit a guy in a hole because you know he's going to be there running the ball, or would you rather chase six foot receivers that weigh 180 pounds all over the damn field? Like nobody wants to do that, right? So, and not when you're weighing 300 pounds. I mean, it's not going to happen. Yep, you're right. So I don't know. I just I don't understand how you don't improve upon that after everything that went downhill. Um, my best and worst of the weekend. My best was it could be a little sappy, but I thought James Conner defeating cancer coming out, scoring a couple touchdowns. I thought that was impressive. That's not and a knee injury, by the way, which is what originally took him out for the year. Um, that was my best of the weekend. My worst was, I mean, I, I had so many things. Probably, probably, and as I could say about a lot of teams, but probably the performance USC put up against Alabama. I expected more than that. That was that was horrid. So that's just me. But like I said, it, it was it was a it was a weekend. I think we all could agree of ugly football. All over the country. Another worst of the weekend was the miss field twenty-four yard field goal by Mississippi State. Yeah, don't <clears throat> yeah, right, off that the was pole, one. right off the pole to win the game. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, yeah, that makes you feel pretty small on campus next week. Yeah, stay tuned. We got a few cheap shots to take at the SEC because why not, right? Um, okay, so we're gonna dive in here. The way this is gonna start working, and we will <laughs> try to adjust as the year goes as we feel necessary. The plan on this one, and like once again, feel free to. Any kind of information you want to help us, we'll listen to an extent anyway. Um, what we're going to try to do is we're going to run back through these games, discuss them as, as we can. Throw in a, you know, Some of them really aren't worth much discussion, but we'll, we'll hit it and touch on them. And then we'll uh, dive back into any kind of national things we want to talk about and then close out with our picks and see where everybody's at before we go into the final pick of the night tonight, a game between Ole Miss and Florida State. So uh, starting off with, we're going to go back through basically the same pattern we followed last week. Uh, this will be Northwestern State versus Baylor, and that's game one. E, okay, the final score, if you want that, 55-7 Baylor. 
The one thing I took away from the game, and granted, opponent, you know, keep that in mind, but Baylor was efficient. The way they did things, it didn't take a whole lot of carries or perform or passes or anything to get what they got done. So anything else you guys want to talk about that game? Uh, um, I, I thought it was good seeing that uh, Katie Cannon was to step up there at the wide receiver position. It seemed like he's going to be their number one guy now, uh, kind of evident by, by the game, the way he played. Uh, he had a couple of drops that I, I think he'll, you know, secure as time goes on. But he was definitely the number one target, so that was good to see that because we were talking about who was going to take over Coleman's position and, and get some of that uh, some of that production out of him. So that that was a good thing to see. Linwood ran, uh, Linwood ran and angry. A couple of the runs looked like Marshawn Lynch in beast mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he did. He, he was he did. You're right. He ran angry and he he put some thumping on some people. Yeah. He, it was pretty impressive. No offense to Linwood, but when you're playing glorified high school players, I probably would run a little angry too. Well, well yeah. I, I was actually glad to see that the uh, backup quarterback got to play because you, as a Baylor yeah, fan, you, you had wanna, a question. Yeah. You want to see that in case Russell goes down. Exactly. He came in and he was efficient. He got some good playing time in, good experience. Got a touchdown too, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. threw for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He was he was five of or, or am I here? Five of seven five for of seven, sixty yards, one touchdown. So he got some playing time in, and hopefully, you know, hopefully they don't have to use him, but it's good to get him some playing time. I only saw one yeah. rush attempt, but did Russell really take any contact in this game at all? I would be curious. No, I didn't no. get to see it. I was busy at the time. They, they got him out of there. He super had zero early. yards rushing. They, they, he didn't run the ball, and he they got him out super early, which was the right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, I, yeah. there's no doubt. I'm just curious but, what he does when he takes, takes a shot yeah, finally. But, but he took a couple of shots, and it and looked like nothing really bothered him. I think it's good to give him to get that out of the way, but they, they darn sure got him out of the game as quick as possible, which I, I don't blame the coaching staff for that at all. I would have yeah. done the same thing. So. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, totally my, agree. My biggest takeaway of that game was, you know, they got pretty much everybody out in the first half, but if you look at the second half, they only scored that one touchdown right out, pretty much started the third quarter. After that, they didn't really do anything at all. Yeah, I, mean, I think they had a fumble and pretty much punted the ball. So, well, to me, that kind of shows me a little bit about depth. Well, I mean, I, I think another thing—not like they're playing a powerhouse Northwestern. So, I think one thing that might, you might fit into that though is is Jim Grobe is not the type of guy who's going to just keep airing the ball oh, out either. No. His personality is different no. than Bryles. I mean, yeah. he, he's going to slow Bryles things down. Put up hundred. Right. He's yeah. going to be more like run the ball, try to eat clock up because he's. He's just not that type of guy. Now, Bryles, I think he would have aired the ball out constantly the rest of the game, but I think it's more of a coaching philosophy, a head coach philosophy, mm-hmm. than it is necessarily production. I, I almost think they backed off mm-hmm. because of that. Yep. One last thing. Yeah, on to that. me, though, if I was Grobe, I would try to I would try to get that second string, try to get them you know, greased up, ready to go for if something did happen to, to some of the starters. One, one last thing encounter on that game, just real quick. We always talk about Baylor's offense. Granted, the opponent, but I just thought I would throw it out there. Baylor D held them to 47 yards rushing on 40 attempts and one t- and one touchdown and a and an average of 1.18 yards per carry. That's pretty good. I mean, uh, you just throw that Boats out there. Well, for a lot of questions marks on the defense for sure. Yeah, I mean they they did have a quite some answers, some questions to answer there. So. Yep. Okay, everybody, get on that one. Rolling into uh, Kansas State at Stanford up in Palo Alto. Uh, Kansas State ended up losing it late, 26 to 13. Um, you know, I thought for the most part they did what they had to do with McCaffrey. I mean, he got loose on him one time where it really hurt him, but other than that, I didn't think they did all that bad. No, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think K State. I was actually pretty impressed by what they did. I mean, holding holding Stanford's offense to I can't even remember how many, it wasn't very many yards, two hundred seventy yards total or something like that. So I thought they did pretty good. I thought they put themselves in position to win. I think there was some pretty terrible officiating calls there, especially that 
pass interference call or no call at the end of the second half where Pringle was basically tackled in the end zone as the ball was thrown to him. So, I mean, yeah. you get some turnaround plays like that that, that could have got a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was a Big 12 officiating crew, too. Yeah, that, That's what made it yeah. even worse. I know. It, it, made, it made it hurt a little worse because, I mean, you're right, he was literally tackled in the end zone. I mean, it wasn't like a – you know, a bump or anything, he tackled it. Yeah. Yep. It was pretty there was, crazy. There was no yeah. tripping in that. It was a straight tackle. The Big 12 officiating crew guys, the ones where they were traveling especially and they had to take them, um, they, they had some questions. Like, for instance, the Oklahoma game, there was two horrible pass interference calls. The Kansas State game, there was, what, one or two? Well, one two, two one no was calls. egregious. Yeah, awful. Um, you know, just, there, there was another game I was watching, I forget, too, where there was one involved. And they just, I mean, they, they definitely got some questions answered. And then, I guess that wouldn't have been. I guess it would have been ACC officiating crew in, in Texas and uh, Notre Dame. But that no call on the on the hit in the end zone. I'm yeah, sorry, that but that, targeting. that's targeting to a team. Yeah, like, I that's don't, the definition of targeting yeah. there. It knocked him out cold. Yeah, I mean, he I was mean, out. That's what I told my wife. We were sitting there, and I said, "She said, what's wrong with him? Because his hand, his hand was like this and not moving." I said, "He's out. I know what that looks like. He's done." I so, think part, their interpretation of the rule on that on just that specific call was that. He didn't lead with the crown of the helmet. It was still helmet to helmet, but yeah. he turned his he head tried a little his shoulder bit. a little bit too. He it it to was all shoulder, helmet, but it, he, but it didn't. It wasn't the crown of the helmet. Yeah, right onto the and defenseless receiver. To me, it almost kind of looked like. It, and granted, we're, we don't. They don't have the benefit of replay right then and there at the second of it happening. Although it can be changed now this year um, from the booth. But um, the if you saw it live where he got the foot down with the ball, I could almost bang, bang, think, well, he completed the catch maybe, you know, it, it was hairline. But the point is now with the new rule change, the booth has the ability to review that crap and change it and stop the play. I was surprised. They should did, happen. I was yeah. surprised they didn't review that one, especially where they were at in the game. That that would have been, which would have been a big 12 uh, replay crew, by the way, in that particular situation. So like you guys said, Kansas state <clears throat> played a good game. Kansas state gained Stanford in total yards. They just they just left McCaffrey lose in the fourth quarter and cost them a chance to win. Yeah, you're right. They it was a surprising stat that K State actually outgained Stanford during the game. I I was kind of surprised when I read that stat. And I thought it, it just the schematics of that play where he broke loose was genius because Kansas State had been stacking the box at all three levels. They were playing inside the hash marks basically all the way back to the safeties, back to the front of the line. And they were forcing them to have to either go outside or throw outside or whatever. And what what they did is come, I think it was a timeout if I remember right. They came out of or end of quarter or something, and they came out and basically a goal line set and spread them thin across the line and forced them to not have the deep safeties and everything. And then basically it's one block and you're gone. So I thought that was smart on, on Stanford's part there schematically. McCaffrey really impressed me with his open field running. His vision is very impressive. Oh yeah, oh when, yeah. When he gets to that second level, his able being able to move laterally and make a move is is impressive. He's, There's not very many backs that can do what he did. He's a human joystick. I mean, he just it's nuts what he can do. That is a great nickname for him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, everybody good on that one. Everybody's done on that. One. We're going to roll into uh, Mizzou and West Virginia, and this was a big one for the Big Twelve. Anytime we can beat the SEC, I'm all for it. Especially when uh, it's former Big 12. Exactly. When it's the team that was brought in to replace the team, it's even better. Um, West Virginia won this game 26-11. to 11. Uh, One key little note, Rochelle Shell leaves the game with injury. He left the game injured with leg cramps. And the uh, Justin Crawford, the Juco running back that we were talking about earlier this year, that was they found him at the Taco Bell working and basically like, look, dude, you can't hold down this kind of job and be a D1 player. It's not going to happen. That guy, he came in and had a pretty big game, it looks like. So. 
Yep. West Virginia needs to do better converting touchdowns in the red zone. Four drives were stalled inside the 10-yard line. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're right. They, they had to kick three, you know, four field goals right there. I mean, if, if they were to convert those, that game is a total blowout. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, some of that you got to give a tip of hat. Missouri does have a good defensive line. Pretty not bad, especially pass rusher. They got a really good one there. But also, that is kind of a knock on these offenses in our conference. A lot of them can't. F- that, I mean, several of them I can name, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma Tech, years and years where they, they're incredible between the 20s. I mean, nasty as anybody, but then it gets a little hard for them to score the, sometimes. The funny thing about the Crawford kid was is that they said it came down between West Virginia and Missouri, who was going to take him. That's what they're talking about during the game. Oh, really? I, yeah, I didn't realize I didn't know that. that. But I guess it, basically Dan Hogerson said it, he's glad they got him because if not, Missouri would have had him during that game mm-hmm. on the other side. Yep, and, and just uh, also a little tidbit on that. Former Big 12 player Alex Ross uh, was the starting running back from everything I can tell for Missouri and probably has won the job. He was held for 18 carries for only 67 yards. Everything I can tell, that West Virginia defense played really, really well for the most part. They did. They got to the ball really well. They they hustled really well. Uh, it, it, it was a fun game to watch because it was just fun watching an SEC team go down to the Big 12 team. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I was really impressed with, with West, West Virginia's defense as far as <laughs> hustle and gang tackling. They got there. They got to the ball really well. Yeah, and it, I mean, from what I can tell, apparently they pretty much shut them out, and then uh, Missouri scored a light, late garbage time TD there to make it 26-11. Yeah, they, they scored one within two minutes left to uh, – to get the score a little closer. West Virginia, I thought, did really good on defense. Uh, secondary is still a little shaky to me. I think they had two Missouri kids that were over 100 yards uh, receiving, but yeah, that's overall, I, was, I think they did really well. That's what I was going to touch on. Missouri, or I'm sorry, West Virginia did a good job keeping the Tigers off the scoreboard. They did give up 462 total yards, so it wasn't like they just – completely shut them down they just they were efficient and kept them off the scoreboard when it, when it counted but you know an offense like that it's tough it's tough to shut them down completely i mean when they're throwing the ball around that much everybody knows josh heupel offense from the big 12 you know when he's at ou it, it whenever they get rolling it, it's tough to get a bunch of you know three and outs against them they're, it's tough they move the ball a little bit and they get that first first down they're gone you know it's that's the tempo if he gets right. that first first down josh heupel is going to put the foot on the gas every time as soon as he gets it so Excuse uh, all the uh, coughing and hacking there might be going on during the broadcast. By the way, a lot of us are sick or allergies or whatever. So bear with us on that. We apologize. Maybe it'll be a little better in the future. Best part of living in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, Okay, moving on. Southeastern Louisiana and OSU. This was uh, pretty – I'm pretty sure this is the game I said 63-9, so I kind of saw this coming. But for the most part, I'm pretty sure we all saw this coming. Barn burner. So uh, that's the one word to describe it. Yeah, it was it was ugly. It, from what I took, I did watch it. You know, I I watched some of it. I didn't get to watch the whole thing because I was bouncing back and forth between a couple games. But, um, I mean, raise raise your hand if you didn't record a fumble for OSU. Anybody in the room here? I think pretty much everybody had a shot at recording a fumble. I think there was like five fumble recoveries in that game. Um, mm-hmm. The one play was just absolutely ridiculous where he threw the ball yeah, back in. I mean, that's like two out of like what last five years they've done something crazy like that. It happened in the Bedlam series too. Barry Barry J. Sanders played good. Carson was better, and Washington just dropped too many balls. Yeah, I I agree. Washington did have a, a few drops where he kind of short armed them, kind of like Fred getting hit across the middle. Which I mean, that's something. If he's going to be the go to guy this year and be that main man, he, he's going to have to get out mm-hmm. there and get those balls and go ahead and take the hit. Yeah, I, I, he, I was a little disappointed in him. He missed one that was a, a touchdown on a on a quick slant across the middle. He had the guy beat, and if he catches it, there was there was no safeties back there. It was nothing but green. 
the other thing I took away from it, it seems like OSU scored in about every way humanly possible. <laughs> and uh, they had 142 yards on 37 carries with the five running backs. I mean, it it was just the complete and utter domination in every way, shape, and form. Which well, the, the game started, you know, OSU went basically three and out on the first series, and then they punt the ball and somehow found a way to score on the punt. And then it, it, it was yeah. over from that point. <laughs> the, the guy tried to field it inside the five-yard line, uh, bounced off his foot into the end zone, and OSU jumped on it. That's why that's you put your feet on the tin and Marjorie over ha- your head. Marjorie Harper. Yeah. Harper was a guy that recovered the true so. freshman. But, yeah, not not much to touch base on this. There wasn't a whole lot learned here. I do think the, the first team offensive line looked looked better this year. Second team, not so much. And with the running backs, not nobody really recorded enough carries to kind of make any decisions. Yeah, I was actually a little shocked by the lack of carries on Barry's part. I mean, granted, they wanted to get everybody involved. But I will say this. I was happy for Barry, local kid. I grew up watching, or not grew up, but watched him grow up playing with Sterling Shepard, who was an OU player. They played on the same high school team. Um, you know, lo- really liked the kid, and for him to kind of get out of that shadow finally and have a chance to do something on the field, you know, where I mean, he, that can't be easy. I mean, to, I know he's only coming in for one year, and everybody's like, "What's going to happen?" But I mean, God, look at your the shadow has just got to be enormous. So, and that's the reason why he didn't originally come to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. which I, I don't blame the kid. I mean, yeah. he wants to make his own his own way. I I. I think I would have done the same thing probably if I'd been in his shoes too. I personally think his career would have been better had he done that, but you know, he I don't he didn't think McCaffrey was going to be McCaffrey probably either. So. Well, I mean, the worst worst thing is he has a degree from Stanford, so it's not like he's, yeah, he's not I mean, you know, it, it's yeah. it was a good a good education decision for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I will say one thing on the on the running backs, Justice Hill did look good again. Mm-hmm. I think he's I, I saw don't know him if he's time. starting by the end of the year, but he's definitely going to factor in the rotation. He he was decisive. He looked good in the open field. Made some made some defenders miss. Uh, Barry Sanders looked good in the open field when he got it. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. he didn't get the carries on the actual running attempts to, yeah. to force to know anything on that. He made some people look ridiculous. The, the punt return, return was that really was incredible. Good. Well, that was fun to watch. And the screen pass, he looked really good in the open field, too. Yes. That, both of those, you're right. In the which, open field, he looked really well. Which, looked good. That's the kind of back he is. He's, he, if you're comparing him to some of the other ones like that, like, a, um, you know, he's not quite built the same. But, like, DeMar- oh, you used to use DeMarco Murray, for instance. More swing passes out of the backfield. I mean, that's the kind of back he was coming out of high school. That's what I expected him to be. Stanford you know i don't want to say lack of imagination because they have a great offense that works well for them but they don't do what we do down here and he's more suited to run an offense like we use in our conference than they were using up there so yes, that's true that's very true brady you got anything you want to throw in on that game at all uh, i think the uh about justice hill i mean all the hype that we heard about him in the offseason i think is is actually true i think he's going to have a big year this year for osu which is a good thing because i think they need some better running back play one one quick type question there. Did Carson do anything significant? I never saw him he did. carry the he, ball at all. He had a pretty good carry for a touchdown where he, he broke through a tackle and had a good spin move. But, I mean, again, he didn't really carry the ball enough to say anything either. Because my question is, is it going to be Barry and Justice Hill? So I don't know. I mean, Car- Carson – I, I thought Carson – this is the best he's looked at OSU. It looks like he finally feels more comfortable and understands what's going on. And, and his vision was a little bit better. Now, of course, obviously, the, the talent they're playing against is not, oh, exactly. is not yeah. great. Well, but, but you're seeing glimpses of what we thought he was capable of doing last year that he never did. So mm-hmm. that's a positive sign for Which, sure. I mean, it's, it, sometimes it takes a year to do it. Look, another example of Juco guys, D.D. Uh, D. Westbrook, wide receiver at OU, looked Times kind of like he was lost, and you know now he's got a year under him. He looked like he knew what was going on. He took the step. You know, he looks like he's taking on. I'm going to be the man. Sometimes those JUCO guys they take a year to break in. So, Ethan, jockstrap. 
I, I think I think the start the two starters are going to be Barry J. Sanders and Carson. Okay, Carson. I agree with him. Okay. I think at least for the next couple of games, we're not going to see any kind of dramatic shakeup in the rotation. Well, OSU doesn't play a real serious opponent until week one of Big 12 play, right? No, they play Pitt week three. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot about Pitt. They'll, they'll find right. out about the running game. Is that in Stillwater? Yes. Okay, at least it's in Stillwater. Yeah, because Pitt's not bad, guys. I mean, they're not – OSU by far should beat them. But Pitt is not a bad team. They're a quality football team. Yeah. So – and they will try to control with the run game and sit on the ball. That's exactly what they'll try to do. Okay, rolling into Rhode Island, Kansas. All right, Jayhawks. I, I mean, everybody happy they finally won one here? Yes, very been, much so. Well, yeah, it's been a while. What, 22 months or something uh, like that snapped, since they won a game? They snapped a 15-game losing streak. Good Lord, man. Uh, it's Beatty, great. Beatty's first win, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, they they big time, 55-6. to six. Big so, win. By the way, terrible attempt to try to storm the field. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, some work. that was awful. That needs yeah. some work. A bit embarrassing. But yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's Rhode Island. Do you really storm the field? I mean, uh, if you well, I guess I can and... give you a little bit of, little bit of a leeway there since it was your first win in, you know, fifteen games or whatever. Colin just said. I would have stormed the field too. Yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a big one. It could carry on to the next game against Ohio. Uh, they they did some things that they look like they got some things that could work for them. And, and the, I mean, it's going. They definitely. I'm telling you guys, Rhode Island seriously could possibly be the worst team in all of Division One football. Well, you but know, they got some things working for them. You know, one thing uh, that. You know, uh, Jockstripes brought it up the uh, the Ohio game. Uh, I was looking at lines, and, and Vegas does have them favored by three against mm-hmm. Ohio. So I mean, maybe maybe they're onto something. I mean, I I don't think they're going to win six or seven games or anything like that. But I, they might squeak out more than what we were projecting. You know, yeah. a week and a half ago, they might play a little better than that, well, so, I, which would be good. I went back and looked at Ohio after watching because I knew it was coming up, um, and looked at and apparently they're not as. Um, What's sort of looking for? They're not as experienced as they normally have been in the past. It's not as I didn't realize they had lost that many players. So that is actually probably a pretty winnable game for them. And, and Colin's favorite player, uh, Speedy Gonzalez, he had a he had a good game too. Yeah, seven seven receptions for seventy eight yards and a touchdown. Look, look good. And also, uh, Steve Sims had five five catches for one hundred twenty four yards and two TDs. So I think the thing that kind of surprised all of us was that Cozart kind of took the rain. I mean, I could, everything yeah, I took I from camp was that Willis was going to be a starter. I, I didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be Willis. And then when I saw that it was Kozar, he, I mean, he played well, so it wasn't a bad call. He just, he must have been the one that threw the scissors that day. Yeah, so I'm saying. Kozar, yeah. Kozar's definitely the, definitely the more athletic of the two, no doubt. He, yeah, he's their playmaker. More the playmaker, I mm-hmm. guess. Like everything I've read from the boards and the few highlights I saw, he he's more confident with the deep ball than Willis is. Yeah, but Willis is young. He's what, a freshman? Right, you're uh, a freshman? I think he played last year, so he's yeah. a sophomore. Sophomore, okay. So yeah, he's uh, you know he's young, but Cozart was definitely more confident in his throws. It looked like to me, but Willis didn't have a bad game. I mean, seven for nine hundred forty-four yards, two touchdowns. Well, Nothing just needed that. Well, you know, maybe the paper rock scissors thing is is what everybody should do because it, it looks like it worked for Kansas this week. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's exactly um, okay. Everybody good on that one. Rolling into University of Northern Iowa or Northern Iowa University, however you say that, against. Uh, Iowa State, and uh, that one, you know, we talked about on the show, and I said to you guys, hey, they got 15 returning starters. It's an experienced football team. You know, it's not something that Iowa State can jack around with, but I fully expected Iowa State to win this game um, and do so probably by 10 points or so. I don't remember what I picked, but probably by 10 points or so. Um, yeah. and, and, and the experience you could tell from them was just, I mean, it was key. They didn't overreact to some of the bad things that happened, and, and uh, Iowa State shot themselves in the field a few times. I mean, it, to me, they uh, it was a, from everything I saw, the, the highlights of it and the, what I read, it was a sloppy game. 
hard to watch at times. I mean, in Iowa State, I don't care who you're playing with Mike Warren. You got to do more better than 51 yards rushing. Well, you know the two things that we talked about whenever we were doing our previews. The two th- major questions we had was one offensive line, and that showed through big time. Their offensive line is terrible, to be honest. Yep. Yeah, it, it is. Iowa State. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. and then another thing is 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 Lanning. We talked about his inconsistency, and it showed up and in that game, and it cost them. Yeah, they need to give they need to give Mike Warren the ball more. Yeah, I agree with that. But, I mean, their offensive line is in bad shape, well, real bad shape. And then Landing, to me, just made some dumb decisions right then in the game. Well, yeah, if, they're off, if their offensive line is that bad, I don't care if they got Mike Warren back there or not. I mean, what's the, we all know the number one thing that's going to kill a running back's penetration. So, if, if they can't stop it, I don't care. I mean, Barry Sanders Sr. would have a little better, you know. But, I mean, other than that, there's not many people that are going to juke out of that situation back there. So, if it's that bad that they're just storming the gates – Every time they hand the ball off, I don't care who's back there. And I, we all agree, Mike Warren's an incredible back. Well, the the problem wasn't the fifty one yard or, or the fifty one rushing yards. It was he had twelve carries. Twelve carries is not enough for your feature back, which was a theme we saw in a few Big Twelve games this week. Yeah, you you have to give him more touches than that. Well, you know, in the last five minutes of the game, they only had fifty one yards and three turnovers. I mean, if you if you do that, you're going to lose ball games. Yep. You you have to take care of the ball. Yep. Yeah. And the bad thing was it was. Warren fumbled, Lazard fumbled, landing through interception, then he fumbled. I mean, it, it's they had a bunch of turnovers that by the by their key guys. It wasn't mm-hmm. you know someone you haven't heard of. It's it's their major guys that were turning the ball over, and they can't do that. If they, you know, especially going into next week when they play Iowa, mm-hmm. they, oh, yeah. they, they better buckle the chin straps up because oh, yeah. Iowa's going to bring it. I got and a so feeling. I got a feeling they they start owing too because Iowa's no joke, boys. They're <laughs> that's an experienced football team, a rough blue collar football team, and they take no prisoners. So. Um, all right, everybody good on that one. Brady, you got anything you want to add to that game at all? No, I don't. The offensive line is what I was going to talk about. They were just bad. Oh, there's Fenway. Is that him in the background barking? Yep, that's yep. the dog. All right. Um, oh, one other little thing in that I didn't realize about the series. I just discovered this today. Uh, apparently, they're 3-3 three and three in that series now. They, um, you know, Northern Iowa was taking it to Iowa State a few times, which there's been some bad Iowa State teams in the six years. But In, in football and basketball, if I'm not. Yes. Basketball, they've gotten them too. I don't know. I don't know about basketball. It's tough to beat Iowa State in basketball anywhere. But okay, so all right, moving on to uh, was it Sandy or not uh, TCU? Who do they play? South Dakota. South Dakota State. State. I about said San Diego, but I knew that wasn't right. South Dakota State. Um, to me, this one more than any game probably had the shocker of the weekend, and I, and that includes anything, just because of the fact I did not expect TCU's defense to give up this many points. Yeah. Like I did not see that coming. Yeah, TCU had bad. Bad defense against an F- FCS team. And with seven returning starters on the defense, they should play better. Yeah, they, well, I mean, not even that, just the names on that defense. They've got some some dudes on that defensive line. Um, and, I mean, this game, guys, if you didn't pay attention to it, was literally 45-41 to 41 midway through the fourth quarter. So that 59-41 score isn't even indicative of how close this game. I remember telling Kendall when we were doing our fantasy draft, oh, by the way, TCU's losing – or only up seven or whatever going into like halftime or whatever it was. I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but it was close, way closer than we at any point thought it would be. The the shocker to me in this game was how undisciplined TCU is. Usually Gary Patterson oh, teams, yeah. are, they, they come ready to play and they're disciplined. They had 12 penalties for 125 yards, and they were giving up over you know like 6.6 or 6.7 yards per play on defense. I mean, mm-hmm. th- those numbers are not – even in Big 12 play, usually TCU plays better than that. And for to do that and against South Dakota State, to me – 
was really surprising. And yeah, they, do they have youth? They do have some. That's an argument you can make. But as we all know, and we saw the stat, they had so many injuries last year that a lot of guys got play time, a lot of playing time. So it's hard to just say, you know, oh, it's youth. Because they, they had a lot of guys play a lot of ball last year. This is a team that's experienced through both levels, you know, first and second string. So, Well, w- one thing to take into account is South Dakota State isn't exactly your typical pushover FCS team. They are <laughs> – they're, you know, they're in the playoff contention in FCS along with Northern Iowa. We didn't, we didn't touch base on that, but these, these are good programs in the FCS. Also, uh, South Dakota State, they have a receiver. It's, uh, I'm gonna butcher it, but it's Jake Weineke. He had eight receptions for 196 yards mm-hmm. and two touchdowns, and he was, he was big. That guy was against, making some pretty impressive plays. Yeah, huh? it and, and it wasn't just against that. TCU. He did this against Kansas last year. Also, he's he's a legitimate receiver. Oh. One thing I will say to this, not to undercut you a little bit, Colin, but I did go to the websites and try to hunt it down because I wanted to know. There was a lot of fringe websites, you know, you know, you know what I mean, Kendall. A lot of the credible ones will not give you a line on this game, but there's some of those, you know, fringe websites yeah. that will let you bet on anything you want to. Yeah, yeah. overseas websites. Uh, they had, they had. Uh, this is a 37 point spread. Yeah. Well, DCU was supposed to beat them by 37 points. I would, I would say that would probably be what I would pick too. But I'm just saying too. To their credit, this isn't just an abysmal team. No, and I just did not see this coming. Forty, Even if it was a close game, okay, but giving up 41 points to this team and the fact that they couldn't even separate themselves until after halfway through the fourth <laughs> quarter, that was shocking to me. Kenny Hill, if you're interested, in my opinion, good. He did good. Wasn't great. Um, this defense was pretty putrid from everything I saw. But he went 33 for 49, 439 yards, two touchdowns, and two key interceptions. Well, yeah, and what? Yeah, I think you're just getting – the same Kenny Hill you got, he can well, be electric, but he can also be really inconsistent. You're, like Trevor Knight. You're also leaving off his 45 rushing yards with three rushing touchdowns. So he, he was accountable for five touchdowns in that game. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm just talking – we know what the guy can do with his yeah. legs. I mean, there's no question there. Yeah. I've seen that. I want to know what he does as a passer because you're not going to survive in this league unless you have a passer. Yeah. You'll get killed. Turner so, will kill you. Yeah. One, so one, one amazing stat that I read that really shocked me with TCU was in the first half alone, South Dakota State had a hundred yard passer, a hundred yard receiver, and a hundred yard rusher all in the first half. Good lord! You know yeah. it, it, that that just kind of took me off guard because usually Gary Patterson's defense they they come ready to play, so mm-hmm. it, it was kind of surprising. That I think more than offense, the offense side I thought they did what they what we thought they were going to do, but I was very disappointed in their defense. I was expecting a lot more out of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. Well, I, yeah, they gave up a lot of big plays. They'll yeah. be getting some work in this weekend uh, in practice. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure. I guarantee you they'll be doing – I bet you there's some some punishment or something going on in some of those Some good butt chewing, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on to the last two. Right? Oh, no. Sorry. We got one more before that. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, Texas Tech. This was uh, pretty much about like we thought it would be. 69-17 Tech. Uh, Mahomes accounted for six touchdowns. Uh, the key thing, key stat of the game is the uh, Stephen F. Austin coach flipping the fans off as he walked into the to the hall. Thought that was hilarious. Classy. Some good Very video classy. there. Which, as we know, sorry Tech fans, but <laughs> probably we have it. our opinions on Tech fans. They probably deserved it. <laughs> so the game was a scrimmage. My tech fans are really saints, good. right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, just just look at the the websites after the wreck happened in Stillwater last year, and you'll see all kind of sainthood going on there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, they invented yeah, football, just so you know. Yeah, the game, yeah, the game was just a scrimmage. Uh, Mahomes looked real. <coughs> yeah, you're right. Mahomes, Mahomes looked really good. He did look good. I mean, six touchdowns, you said? Yep, he counted for six yeah, touchdowns, which, I mean, we figure. I mean, dude, dude's, I mean, a lot of people have him as the second best player in the Big 12, and that's easily. 
arguable. I, I will so. say I, I had read some places, and I mean I know Stephen F. Austin isn't exactly a a good opponent to gauge this off of, but they did see some improvement in Tech's defense. Well, see my my one thing, like I said, the te- secondary in my opinion is <coughs> mediocre at average for D one. Um, you know they did get two picks, but Conk kind of gave them one pretty bad. Um, he went 28 for 49, 246 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, you know, it's just hard to know. I mean, that's not spectacular numbers, but that's also kind of a little better than honestly I thought he might do. So he wasn't really known as a passer yet. Like everything I've read about him is he's a heck of a rusher, but he's not really much of a passer yet. So, you know, like it's just too, it's week one. It, even in the big game matchups, it's hard to know. These teams are going to look a lot different December 3rd than they did September 3rd. So, Okay, moving on to the big two of the weekend. We're going to start with, what, Notre Dame, Texas? Yes. I didn't even put notes down for these two since I watched both games all the way through. Um, Notre Dame, Texas. So, Classic. in that one, what was the final score? 37 to, no. 50 to 47 50 to 47 two overtimes. Yep. And that, I mean, that by far a game of the weekend. Um, we learned a lot of things, a lot of things we thought we knew, some things we didn't know. Yeah. Uh, Texas, my takeaway is you better hope to God you don't let them get in short yardage or they're going to kill you all year long. Yes, man, that, that Donta, Donta Foreman, holy crap, that yeah. guy's a bruiser. Yeah. That's a man. Well, Along the swoops. Well, I mean, both those guys are we, they didn't definitely even, men. Yeah, it, it was a good game in the Big 12. It looks like Texas found a new quarterback in Mike Michelle. Uh, Shane. Shane, Shane Michelle. Michelle. Uh, yeah. Well, another thing to touch on what you're touching, Brady, is that they didn't even really use Chris Warren. I mean, they he ran a yeah. little bit, but that shocked me. Yeah, I expect Warren to get more carries than Foreman, to be honest. Exactly. Well, I think it'll be probably pretty even, but I think they just kind of rode the hot hand because Foreman was definitely he was mm. running tough. He was breaking through tackles and and finishing them off yes. with big runs after that too. He was busting through the line and getting some too. So yeah, well, I think Swopes and uh, Warren finished with about the same amount of carries. Wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, one thing that we talked about when we were doing preview, we were wondering how Michelle was going to do under the big lights, you know, against someone like Notre Dame. I was really impressed with the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after he threw that pick there in the third quarter, I, I was wondering how he was going to come back out and play, you know, being a freshman. He had great composure, stayed calm, and, and made yeah. some plays. I, I, I was impressed with his composure. Not only yeah. that, like, it could have really went south for him in a lot of ways. The, the center was killing him and me sitting there watching that happen, too. I mean, there was times where the, those snaps were off. I mean, there was times he could have thrown in the towel, you know, and just busted emotionally. But he showed his experience, you know, and his maturity. He showed why a lot of people really wanted him as a quarterback. I mean, he was a highly sought-after quarterback. And it, my one, and I try not to be too negative, but I always try to look at both sides of the coin here, my one – thing I would like to see from him a little more he threw some of those balls up and I don't even think he looked I think he just knew the read was there and threw it and if they get in a situation with somebody with a little better secondary or somebody a little more physical to press the receivers off the timing routes that's the one thing I would like to see from him a little more and actually because I mean I mean he, he was right it didn't hurt him I mean, he, he pulled him off, but there's situations where if he's not careful with that, it'd get him in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and I think that would come with time. I mean, you're talking about yeah. very first start. 18 years old. Yeah, in, you know, against Notre Dame. It's, it's a big, you know, biggest crowd ever in Texas history. I mean, yeah. that's a big stage. It's mm-hmm. not just, uh, you're, you're, you know, last year he was playing against a high school team. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big step. Yeah. It's, a, it's me nitpicking. Yeah. I just try to look and, at both sides of the coin. And oh. let's not act like Michelle was perfect either. I mean, that guy, Texas offense definitely struggled in the – what was it? Third quarter, early fourth quarter. Yes. Yeah. They I think they problems. went. I went. They went from like ten minutes left in the third until mid fourth quarter until they got a first down again. So. Well, that was Notre they, Dame. Started, they definitely struggled quite a bit. Notre right. Dame's defensive line started to take control yes. of that game a little bit late. Yeah. And they really did. They, I mean, they. 
they cut down on the on the running. Well, they had a lot of dumb plays, like the snap that went like straight to the right of the quarterback oh behind gosh. like twenty yards. I mean, things mm-hmm. like that are hard to come back from. That drive's dead at that point. The offensive tackle running back on the field late, and honestly, I don't know that they even got the snap off in time, which leads to a block that the guy takes to tie up the game, which is what got us to overtime what, anyway. What an unreal that just, play that was! What a crazy <laughs> set of events. Can you expect there. about to kick a field goal to go up by three for yeah. the extra point, and then two points the other way to tie it up? It, I mean, that was a I thought that was going to be the end of Texas. I thought that was a huge momentum switch, and huge on, momentum shift, but they recovered from it. And on the Notre Dame side, they they they've got to let Kaiser play. Just, yeah, just, Kelly's got to. They they, they got to just let him play. Don't don't stop. Keep, keep switching. That's ridiculous. I let the kid play. Yeah. I saw it all weekend. Over coaching, over coaching, over coaching. Just let the kid do what he can do and stop trying to switch him out. So I I feel for Zaire. I mean, he wouldn't even be in this position probably had he not got hurt and Kaiser came in and looked incredible last year, which, like I told you guys in the last podcast, I personally thought Zaire was the better quarter, or uh, Kaiser is the better quarterback of the two. But it was going to be kind of interesting to see them both healthy now and see what they could do. I think there's no question now yeah. who Kaiser, a better quarterback is. Kaiser's yeah, the I, think, first round I think we were texting each other by the mid-first quarter saying – Kaiser's the guy. Why don't we? Why don't we see more Kaiser? Yeah. It was, and then losing Tory Hunter was was a big blow too. That, oh yeah, that was that, big. Yeah. That was a big uh, big shot. Although I will say that number three, I for, I forgot to write down his name. Phillips or something, or is it Sanders? That, was, that dude. That's a yeah, dude. Yeah, CJ Sanders. He's nasty. I mean, that's that's a heck of a player. Um, they just didn't have any experience at the wide receiver spot after Hunter went down. Now, no. That hurt them, especially at the end when you need that. You could tell that, that was last a, couple of series. That was a big ex- hit on him, too. If it wasn't for that big hit, he would have caught that ball because he had that yeah. ball secured. And didn't they didn't they not score on that? It wasn't, didn't they have a field goal blocked after that? If I'm, Is that what happened after that play? I can't remember I, what happened after that I play. I think now. it was blocked. I, think I know right. they had you a blocked right field goal. I think, they, I think you might be right. I think they came away with zero points for that possession, which mm-hmm. should have been a touch. It should have been targeting. Should have been targeting, yeah. They I mean, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, and here's my thing, too. I every uh, we all have crazy fan bases, but the things I saw yesterday from Notre Dame fans the night after the game, chill out, guys. I know there's probably not going to be any Notre Dame fans listening to this, but Kaiser did not deserve some of the things I saw that were said to, about him or to him online, <laughs> things like that. Uh, Kelly, Kelly deserved some of it, you know. But going back to a Gundy speech, he's a man. He's forty. Kaiser's not. <laughs> Kaiser was a stud. Kaiser did. I mean, everything I think of in his possible. I mean, he played incredible. And they could have, with the mistakes Texas made, had Kelly not overcoached the situation, they probably win that game, to be honest with you. Well, you know, and it kind of brings you back to reality. It's just a game. I mm-hmm. mean, these are kids. They're not getting paid to play anything. They're they're out there trying. You know, they're not NFL players. Yeah. Back, back off. Like, they're doing everything yeah. they can. It's I, not like he wants to lose. I'm sorry you ran your mouth all week on Twitter, and now you have to feel bad about it. I mean, it's just part of it. Get over it. Like, it's, it's not Kaiser's fault. And then the defense. They were griping about the defense. You know, they were under an attack from an offense, a type of offense, style of offense that they don't ever see, that they probably haven't seen uh, since last time they played Oklahoma, who didn't even run it that well. Well, who, who has two or three different guys that weigh 250 pounds running at you? <laughs> exactly. That, that doesn't yeah. happen very like, often. Like, you're not going to – they don't ever see that system or that setup. And to be fair, they had no idea probably what they were getting themselves into. I'm sure that – I mean, believe me, <laughs> Kel, Kelly knows all about Bouchelle, recruited him. You know, it's not a secret. They knew the kid could pass. But – for instance, in a similar situation, in a minute, again, we'll talk about OU and the defensive lineman Oliver for Houston. You knew he was a five-star kid, but you don't know what kind of impact he's going to have in the game until he plays. Same situation here. Notre Dame probably prepared for this, maybe a little more for passing game, but all in all, probably weren't quite prepared for what they saw. 
And I think all I think by the third quarter with some changes, you started to see them handle the game and the situations a little better. They knew what they needed to do. That one play, they got beaten cover three, plain and simple. I mean, they had it covered. The guy just didn't make the play. If he makes the tackle, the guy goes down. Well, and then that, and then losing guys, you know, right before the season that are your starters due to stupid off the field issues. Yeah, did exactly. not help the situation any at yeah, all. Yeah, because the one guy gets knocked out, and he was actually backing up the guy that should have been starting. Mm-hmm. So you know. Yeah, and all in all, I mean, great game. Congratulations, Texas. I mean, from what I saw, apparently everybody thinks you're going to win the national title now. So good luck. I guess we don't even need to play the rest of the year. I, I will pump the brakes a little bit on that one. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> I, I think they're on the right track now. I do think they're not back yet, but I think they are on their way back. No, I mean, they're still not Texas in my yeah. opinion. But I will, I will definitely nice. say this goes. This win here goes a long ways in securing Charlie Strong's job for another well, year. Well, here's what I want to see. I want to see him in a Big 12 schedule with teams that are familiar with him and – when they haven't had a year on a game for vengeance where they were seeing red after what happened and had a whole offseason to prepare for it, then we'll talk. I'll be interested to see how this impacts the recruiting because apparently they had a ton of recruits there last night. Oh, they night, did. And that was a great game. And that Including was huge. five-star yeah, I mean, defensive tackle Marvin Wilson. Yeah, there's there's a couple of guys that them in Oklahoma and A&M are battling hard for, and you had a horrible loss for Oklahoma and then it capitalized on a big win by them, and they were in there to see yeah, it. Yeah. So Double overtime win in front of 102,000 screaming fans. Some against, of the, against Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, that they definitely got some things they wanted to see on the defensive side of the ball. They had some dudes there, put it that way, to yeah. watch that game. Um, so, yeah, everybody good on that one? Yep. Okay, rolling into the uh, Oklahoma and Houston game. I can't even remember the final score now, and I feel bad for not writing it down. 33-23. 33-23. That's right, 10-point game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on that one, you know, my biggest takeaway from it was just just from visually, Houston looked like they were way more jacked up to play that game, in my opinion. They played better. They played with a lot cleaner. They played a much cleaner game than Oklahoma did. They left some points out there. Oklahoma shot themselves in the foot with penalties, continuing drives. A couple of the penalties I thought were a little ridiculous. Yeah. But most part, they hurt their own self on personal fouls and stuff like that. Got beat in places that – I don't know about you guys, but the one thing I took away from that was when I watched tape of Houston last year, I did not see that much size on the field. I mean, their receivers, their defensive backs, that's that's a defi- that's a division one power five team when it comes to bodies. Yeah. So yeah. soon to be one. You might be right about that. You might. Go ahead, Jock Strap. Yeah, Houston just looked like the better team throughout the game. So I mean it first quarter, Oklahoma did the run game. Right down their throat, looked fine. P. Ryan gets hurt. Things start to change. They get away from the run game. The big swing was obviously the field goal, which I still don't know what the offensive linemen were watching. And then um, I don't think I don't go back to that field goal. I don't think they saw the guy in the end zone. To be honest, still, in my opinion, and, I'm with David Pollock on that. There's no excuse, even if you're not sure, run down the field. I mean, in my in my opinion, if you don't know the guy's there or not, if it's the and, it, and to me personally, I, at this point, after seeing the kick six and this kind of stuff happen. I'd probably just have it built in. If we're going for a 45-yard field goal or longer, we're running down the field. Yeah, you have to be expecting Yeah, exactly. And it, yep. and the thing was, too, in part of Oklahoma's failure there is the kicker has more than enough leg to kick it. They, we've seen him do it. He Maybe does. they didn't I, think it I went back question. and watched that play to see what happened, and he actually yeah, looked he like stuttered. he was off on his timing. He kind of stutter-stepped before he kicked that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he didn't get I think all he of lost the power on that kick because, I mean – well, there was reports in high school that he was kicking seventy-yard field goals. Oh, so I've seen him he's kick definitely him. got the leg. I've seen him kick him before the games and stuff, way, way further than that. I know he's got enough leg to do it. Um, you know, one one thing that I I needs to be brought up. I think P Ryan might be hurt worse than what they're leading on because that after he took that big hit, it seemed like 
they, he was just like a decoy out there the rest of the game. Like he he didn't he wasn't really involved in the game plan very much. I still which, don't. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it just seems like he must be dinged up a little worse than what they're leading on. Everything I've seen in the reports that have come out now said he's fine. He'll be ready to play this weekend. There's nothing wrong with him. I honestly think it, this was this was a lot of coaching. The more I went back, I rewatched the game. The coaches did not put them in the best position to win in a lot of situations. Mike Stoops had some kind of, which I've seen it before with running quarterbacks. He he does this wait and watch crap where we're going to play defense around the the def- around the line of scrimmage and we're not going to let anybody get outside of us. Meanwhile, guys are running right behind him and catching seven to ten yard passes and killing you. And it's just it's it's an insane plan. And the thing is, is like if you have the bodies to push those guys against the boundaries and you know play somewhat kind of defense with corners, it works. But in this case, they didn't. Dakota Austin, love the kid, fiery kid. Honestly, will knock your head off if he's given the chance. But he's just at some point you have to realize the man's limitations. Yeah, that's small. Uh, yeah. You don't have a chance. Just ask those blockers how the hit was. Yeah. Yeah. No, but he. You're right. I, I felt like watching the game, he was way undersized and outmatched out mm-hmm. there on an island by himself. He, he's. I don't. I don't. You know. I don't know when it comes into Big 12 play, if he's only going to get as much play time because it just seemed like he was outman big time out there. In my opinion, I'm a bigger fan of if the younger guy is that close, play the younger guy. Because the, if they're that close now, where's he going to be by week eight or nine? Whereas Dakota Austin's a senior, basically, or is a senior. Where's he going? You know, he's probably sealing out, to be honest. And in my opinion, yeah, you, Cobb was can, about no worse anyway. Yeah, you could tell that Houston game plan for – you know, all the reports coming out of camp was OU is going to leave their corners on an island. Houston definitely game plan for that. I mean, they threw a lot of back shoulder throws that were our were our cornerback or where OU's cornerback had their back turned to the ball. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they were wide open all day. OU third down defense, atrocious. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, Which was, it has been. That was awful. That's nothing new, to be honest. Really, it didn't matter if it was third and one or third and fifteen. The chances of Houston getting it, converting it, were. Just about 100%. I read a stat that said anything that was over third and seven, they converted. Mm-hmm. And Every they, single one. And I think it was like nine for 17 is what they went, <laughs> something like that. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Well, and a, a local radio station here, they were they were talking about it when I was actually on my way out here, and they referenced the fact that if Houston hadn't just ran the ball on first and second down every time, you know, if they throw in a couple of passes on first and second down, is it worse? Because they were mm-hmm. basically the Oklahoma State offense last year, you know, where you're beating your head against a brick wall on first and second down, and you're completing third and 12. I think you saw it with both staffs. I just think you saw it way more with Oklahoma. There was times where the, the coordinators played not to lose. They, they played it safe. You know, Houston wasn't really – and in my opinion, you could tell right away when Houston realized that Oklahoma had pretty much abandoned the run game, and they just started teeing off. I mean, they Oliver started taking over, guys, and, and I can't put that entirely on the offensive line. It has a couple of new members. They haven't. I'm still not even 100% sold. This is the starting five. I still say there's a chance that a guy gets moved around here or there. But that being said, when they knew when it got when it got bad was when they knew that there was no run game. And and that could go back to Kendall's point. P Ryan might have been hurt worse. In my opinion, seeing it before last year when Oklahoma went through this for the first few weeks again until they lost the game to Texas and then woke up. They abandoned the run game, and I, I think that's what you saw here. Yeah. And I think after they that field goal return, um, it kind of seemed like the coaching staff kind of panicked a little bit and got and got out of what was what was working well in the first half. They kind of just abandoned. Exactly. They abandoned everything. Yeah, that, that was definitely the turning point of the game. I mean, the field goal right before the half, and then coming out of half, oh, you missing that field goal and then returning at 109 yards. I mean, that you could tell the momentum shift big time once that happened. I mean, Houston Stadium was 
lit up after that, and OU was kind of back on their heels. Hats off to Houston. It was apparent they had a clear game plan to attack a couple of OU's weaker spots. You know, OU did return three of its starting four main secondary guys, and they found the one that wasn't a starter last year, and they picked him to death. And, yep. you know, there was other situations where they – they, they took a – like I had talked to you guys on the broadcast before, I said if, if Houston has a place where they can really do this is attack some of the young linebackers. Well, you saw Obo Okoronkwo <laughs> completely bust on a you know halfback swing pass basically out of the backfield where the guy scores a touchdown. You know, there's, there's things that they could have done. And they, they just basically had – I don't want to say flawless because they weren't flawless. They had mistakes. They missed things. But they had an A game, and OU probably played about a C game. OU ends up losing by 10 points on – you know I can, I can think of several different things that can attribute to those 10 points. Well – well, one thing, this is an outsider here, the offense wasn't that impressive to me, to be honest with you. Outside of three big plays, they, it was not that impressive. I mean, you had the 60-yard the touchdown pass to, uh, or I don't think it was a touchdown, but the big pass to Mixon. which a one-handed grab. Yeah, yeah that was a great catch, but, but a lot I don't of even think they even got a touchdown on that. I think they ended up coming. No, they nope. didn't. He didn't. But then you had a 32-yard touchdown run by Mixon, and then you had the the great play call for the Andrews long 64-yard touchdown. But, but outside of those, I mean, that's... Uh, Andrews had two touchdowns. But see, well, but I'm talking there about there was one, one where he kind of went one-on-one with receiver and one where he was kind of left wide open. But you take out those, and that's almost 33% of their offense. But see, that gets back to my point of, you know when all those happened? was earlier in the game when they were still running the ball. When, when, they, yep. when they quit running the ball and there was no commitment to it anymore, there was no creativity. It was all gone. It was exactly what you saw... In the West Virginia game last year, where OU should have got beat if they had been playing a better team because they didn't do that great in that game, and the Texas game. It got to the point where there was no – you knew what they were going to do. There was no – we're going to run Mayfield around and hope he can hit somebody downfield. And, and another thing I think needs to be discussed is Mayfield showed up timidness and throwing the ball downfield. There was some did, coverage man. sacks. He, he went and tried to release the ball. He you know, faked like he was going to throw it about 10 or 15 different times and pulled it back in. I mean – to me, you've got receivers out there. I, granted, a lot of these guys are new, and you're looking kind of for a a new go-to guy. But give them a chance to make a play. Well, I think Westbrook is clearly going to be the number oh, yeah. one, which yeah. I mean was expected yeah. probably. I mean, yeah. we we thought Geno Grisham probably could be a good. I mean, he's he's experienced Gino guy. Geno Lewis, Lewis, yeah. Lewis. Sorry, we've had there's so many Genos and Grishams and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, OU does a great job of recruiting players with similar names, and it makes it really hard. Well, I just didn't see there was outside of Andrews and and Westbrook, there wasn't that that next guy. Who's going to be that next guy? Honestly, you have a bunch of guys with two catches, one catch. Honestly, if they're healthy and everybody's healthy and they're running the formation that they should have been running that they didn't run till like the beginning of the fourth quarter, it's probably going to be Joe Mixon. I mean, he's probably if not the third best receiver on the team, fourth best receiver on the team. And and there, I mean, AD Miller had a great catch. Gino had a really nice catch. But it just got to the point to where they knew what was going to happen. And Baker did. You saw it in the Clemson game. You saw it early in the Tennessee game. It got to the point where they knew what he was going to do, and they just pinned their ears back and went after him. And OU's offensive line is solid, but they're not. This isn't the same offensive line that protected Sam Bradford. They're, you know, they're not going to sit there and be able to yeah, hold up that kind of coverage all the time. They're young and still building experience. Yeah. you gotta you got to come together. So, yeah. to anyway. Me, to me, though, if your running backs, Mixon and P. Ryan combined for 12 carries – you know something didn't go right that day. Yeah, which I, I mean, feel I know, I know Kendall's point with P. Ryan being nicked up maybe a little more than's being let on, but still, you have Joe Mixon back there. You have that guy to rock. He you can make other... some unreal plays. Yeah, they they bailed bailed on the run too early for it, sure. Even if it doesn't work, at least try it. 
just to make yep. the defense act like you're going to at least pretend like they're going to try to do it. You know what I'm saying? You, you have to keep them honest. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't just let them pin their ears back. Even if the running backs aren't having success, which used to, I know people would fault. Hell, I did it. Would fault Stoops to the point of, hey, you're getting a little obsessive. The run game's not working. It's time to do something else. But to some degree, you have to keep them honest enough to at least think you're going to run the ball at them. I mean, if you got yeah. two backs that everybody knows are that good, they are afraid of them. Use them. You know, even if and, it's a decoy. And one thing, one thing that I uh, I wanted to see that I thought I might see early on in the game was whenever they were doing those little short screen wide receiver rub, rub screens. I mean, Houston was biting on those hard. I, I figured you'd get a little pump fake and then a deep ball, but yeah, it was clear. Happened. It was clear. They didn't have anybody that could have stuck with DD if they had to, but anyway. Um, so yeah, anyway, all in all, all through the week, all the teams considered, you know, if you lost, Hey, it's week one. A lot of teams still have their goals in front of them. Some teams don't, depending on where you're at. But, you know, it's week one. Don't jump off a ledge. There's still a lot of things that have to be learned about everybody. So, yeah, one one question I got for kind of the group discussion, uh, and I think we talked about it a little bit before, but with this OU loss, how many of you guys think that if OU wins out and Houston stays undefeated, that OU would get in the, bowl, would get in the college football playoff over Houston? I'll, I'll touch it first. They'll – They'll have an argument if they win out because they are going to be playing a lot of ranked opponents down the stretch. It's going to put the, the playoff committee in a, a very tough position because mm-hmm. you argue head-to-head is important, and they beat them. Now, granted, it's early in the year, but then OU's playing a much tougher schedule down the road, and if they win out, they're arguably going to deserve it more. But I don't know that you can put them in based on head-to-head. To me, it all depends on how OU plays. If, if OU absolutely runs through, I mean, not runs through, but, you know, looks impressive doing it. And believe me, I've had this conversation with Cullen several times. You saw it with Texas last night on in Twitter and the Internet by the end of the game. There may not be anybody like Oklahoma in building a, a bandwagon and doing it quickly and working their way up the poles, especially we saw it in the BCS era. They got into, I'll be honest, they got into games they had no business getting into. And, I mean, it, they can build that kind of following and convince everybody in the world that they're back, even if they're not. So... Houston would have a heavy, heavy weight against them trying to pull that off, the, I think. The thing that would be – that would give them a heads up, if they, if they were to finish undefeated and have beaten OU, it, it's going to be tough for them not to go ahead and go out on a limb and stick them in there just because – what I mean, that you know how much backlash that's going to cause? It's oh, not going to be oh, – even though I might agree with you guys that OU would be the better team as far as their schedule and everything, but – when you take into consideration they went, they beat everybody on their schedule, including the the team that they're head ahead against to get into the playoff, it's kind of hard not to shove them in there. But See, at, go ahead, Colin. I agree with with Kendall on that because not only will they be undefeated, and they they've just been so hyped throughout the entire offseason. It's not like this is it's not a Boise, Boise State coming or out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it's they've been ever since Florida State last year. All we've heard is if Houston beats OU, are they in? But this is one thing I will say, too, and I think as we've talked about, too, you know, ESPN, they set the narrative on a lot of things. And I think ESPN will try, you know, we saw it with Tennessee an hour after that game. Oh, it's first game of the year, so, you know, they weren't as good. And I think you'll, I think they'll push that. That's what they'll say. Well, it was first game of the year and they weren't ready. I mean, I think that's – and obviously it'll be way more convoluted and way more drug out than that. But that will be the general consensus, and they'll argue that, well, this is a way better team now. you got to look at them now, and that's what will happen. Well, another thing is yeah. it, it's it's really hard to go undefeated. Yeah. Like, no matter who you play, you, you play, you know, 
12 and 13 games, it's hard to win every game. It's a tough thing to do. Oh, by the way, they still have Louisville on their schedule, whose quarterback just accounted for eight touchdowns this weekend. They have Navy, who's been a tough game for them in recent years. They have somebody Tulsa. else. Thinking, Tulsa, Tulsa, yeah. They, I mean, they, they, they've got some games. That UCF in there, Memphis, Cincinnati, and they've got some decent games out there. And just like with Texas, I want to see them when they haven't had an entire offseason to prepare for one opponent and they've been dead right on somebody. I want to see what happens. Can we start calling the uh, American Athletics Conference the uh, Big 12-2? Like the, the minor <laughs> the leagues minor. of the Big 12? Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Triple <laughs> We're about to recruit some of them anyway, so. Yeah, um, but I... I, I kind of want to touch on it too. I, I'm with, I'm with Corey a little bit on this more than, you know, Colin is saying if if it's both undefeated from here on out or both went out the rest of the way. I think I think the way that the committee looks at it was you got OU early and you were able to able to pull off a win where, as if OU continues to climb that progression hill, kind of like they did last year after that Texas loss, then. To me, there's no way you can leave OU out of that playoff. Well, they're the team that'll get the. They're they're one of those teams that will get the benefit of the doubt if they're if they're there. Yeah, the being end. being the blue blood. I just yeah. think the schedule I mean, that, that takes me back to the first year of the college football playoff where TCU and Baylor were left out over in Ohio State. Had that been OU in that situation, I think you might have seen OU get in versus but, Ohio State. But see, that kind of goes to the head to head thing. Yeah, the that's Big different. Twelve, this the Big different. Twelve wouldn't say, you know what. Baylor beat TCU, so Baylor's our champion. They said, no, mm-hmm. we think TCU's better than Baylor, so we're not going to declare yeah. any because they're both going to get in. Yeah, that's the yeah. Big 12 shot themselves in the foot there, which I still don't think it would have mattered. You got, and that's the thing to look at, too. If you think you're out of this, no matter what your fan base is, if you're a team that you think has a chance to be involved in this, LSU, et cetera, in two years we've seen Ohio State come back to the playoff from a horrible Virginia Tech team, and I, that team was bad that year. And then – Oklahoma loses mid-season, well, okay, early third season to a Texas team that, no offense, Texas teams were pretty brutal. You know, they five and seven, and they could not find a way to win a game late. And, you know, I still, like I said the other day on the podcast, I think it was more Oklahoma than Texas, and Oklahoma lost the game, and they survived it. With the schedule they have in front of them, but I still get back to it depends on how Oklahoma plays. If Oklahoma doesn't do it convincingly, I'm not sure they'll have the chance to get in over Houston. I think they have to do that. You know, if they if they go out and destroy Oklahoma State, who might be ranked at the time in Bedlam, that's going to be a big marker to end the year on. If yeah. they barely beat I mean, them by two points, you know, who knows? You know, one thing's for sure, though, OU has to figure it out quickly this next week. I mean, they then they go with a run of Ohio State, TCU, and Texas. So, I mean, you're essentially – it progresses how it is. I mean, you're going to play three top t- top fifteen teams in the next four over weeks. the next four weeks. Yep, exactly. Or okay. Next four games. Um, before we, you want to get into our picks next, Kindle, or yeah, you want to get? Yeah, well, I, I got a few little key stat things I want that are just kind of funny. I want to throw it at the end, but I can right, make, well, go ahead and do that. When it comes to our our picks this week, of course, the Florida State and uh, Ole Miss game hasn't been played yet. This is Monday. We recorded before the game. Sorry, but. Uh, yeah, normally they don't play on Monday, so it kind of throws a monkey wrench into this. But looking at our stats here, uh, let's just say that uh, it's a good thing none of us went to Vegas because. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, I would have come out about even. The uh, Colin Brady and I are all one and three, and Jock Strap and Corey are two and two. So uh, I, I have to say we we didn't exactly break the bank on this one. It's it's. Uh, 
are against the spread picks this week were kind of rough. Well, this goes back to my theory, too, that I've talked about with you of why you don't take the big games. If you're doing this for real, I mean, it, me, if I'm betting games, I'm going to find the one where it's a big school playing a little school and they can cover the 21 points and I ain't got to worry about it. So it's not an easy game to pick by any means. No, and, and you know, some of them were just disappointing games. Like that oh, Wisconsin yeah. LSU game, that was just... That was hard to watch. It, it was It was a boring game and there was not a whole lot going on and... I, I realized after the first quarter, this pick was we were going downhill on this pick because it, it yeah. LSU could not do anything right. When, when when a pick six is the most exciting offensive point of the game, then uh, if, you know. if it, it went for their defense, it'd have been thirteen zero. Oh yeah, there, yeah. there's no I mean we're sixteen zero. Whatever, I, it, it, they wouldn't have scored at all. I like I t- said in the last podcast, I knew Wisconsin's offense wasn't very good, but I think I underrated Wisconsin's defense a little bit, and and part of it's LSU's offensive struggles we discussed too, but. I didn't give Wisconsin quite enough credit as I probably should have on the defensive side of the ball. And then when it comes to the the Alabama and, and Southern Cal game, uh, Alabama looked like a machine. Yeah, they're they, back. They boys. were impressive. They're, very impressive. That, and like I said, I don't think Cal is Southern Cal. I probably a fringe top twenty-five team in my opinion was what I would have said last week too. Well, but, they're, they're ranked twentieth. So it wasn't like they were yeah, way exactly. way up there. So, but yeah, I, mean, I, figured, I didn't expect I figured that. on the Alabama. I thought the quarterback would struggle a little bit more than he did. But man, that freshman quarterback, I. Can't remember his name. Jaylen that guy Hurts. looked pretty impressive. Jalen Hurts and his name. Jalen. Yeah, Jalen. Yeah. As far as the Notre Dame and Texas game, we we all agreed it was going to be a close ball game. Just mm-hmm. some of us were on one side, you know, Texas side, and some of us were on Notre Dame side. But all I mean, it went double overtime. The Texas yeah. win. Yeah, you you did. I got to brag about my one pick that I got right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean that that was uh, that right there was a game that was a great game, and it, it went kind of along the lines that we thought. You know, we were both on different sides, but it, it was a close ball game like we thought. And then when it comes to the OU Houston game, uh, Colin was the only man out there on an island by himself, and uh, he nailed mm-hmm. that one. But I guess Jockstrap, he was on an island yeah. on the Wisconsin and LSU game, and he got yeah. that one too. So yeah, I mean it happens. And there's well, a, the let's big go games back are to Colin to picking picking against OU there. I mean, there's a reason he picked against OU, and it wasn't because he thought Houston was just really gonna because Houston destroy is a better him. team. Yeah, and if you really thought if I really thought you'd <laughs> believe that, then I'd go out and buy you some beer for picking it. Well, um, apparently it's a good thing I did pick that, or I'd be zero and four. Yeah, you'd be in bad <laughs> yeah. shape. Yeah, that would be bad. Then our our final four picks, as far as we picked, uh, I know Brady and I are both in in bad shape already. Uh, two of our teams lost the first week, so I mean it's still early. Anything can happen, but judging by what LSU was doing out there, uh, I don't feel too hot about that pick. How about you, Brady? Yeah, I don't I don't feel good about that one at all, especially after watching Alabama roll through USC like that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm trying to keep everybody grounded. You know, who listens to this podcast, it's week one. A lot of crap can happen in week one that looks horrible later. But, I mean, that seeing what we saw of Alabama, good luck, LSU. I don't care if it's in Death Valley or not because now not only do they, they – this could – and I'm not kidding. This, is, this could possibly be Saban's best team just because of the fact that he has a dynamic playmaker and how loaded they are at the skill positions. They have some of the best wide receivers in the country. You've got, uh, help me out, the tight end. uh, O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard, who we've been hearing about since he was like a sophomore in high school that was going to be this incredible guy, and he finally started to show up last year. You know, they're loaded there. They've always got tailbacks. I mean, Calvin Ridley, did. he only had like two catches in that game the other night. Yeah, but they didn't even need him. Yeah, yeah he's, what, a top first-round Oh, pick? he's he's dangerous. I don't know. His size might keep him a little shy of first round, but he's he's dangerous. He's. I, I was kind of wondering how they were going to do with Kirby Smart, you know, going to Georgia, mm-hmm. and they looked like their defense didn't miss a beat. No. They, they, yeah. they came out and smashed people. It, well, it was pretty impressive. I read some stuff before the season on Alabama, and I don't know exactly who they started on the defensive side of the ball, but – 
Alabama could start a five-star recruit at each de- defensive position to begin this year. That's pretty impressive. Well, here's something else. There was a guy, and I may get this number wrong. I think it was either, I want to say 15 sacks. Or no, it was 11 sacks. There was a guy who had 11 sacks that was a bench player last year mm-hmm. that is now starting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of it, – it's like I said earlier. This is the thing they said could never happen in the 85 scholarship era. A guy be able to build a juggernaut this long, sustain it, this much power, and it's been basically just about he goes out and gets the best players, plain and simple, well, every year. When you have 85 five-star and four-star players. Yeah, I mean, it literally, <laughs> that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah you got an advantage. Because not only do you have the best players in the country, your bench could be half the country by itself. You know, like, it just it's it's almost unfair, but that's what he's playing within the – well, Unless we hear reports years later that he was paying people or something, he's playing within the rules. So, and uh, as far as tonight's picks, you know, I think all five of us have uh, Florida State covering the four and a half. You know, and I, I think that's going to be, that. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm, I'm anxious to see kind of what Kelly does. You know, in the quarterback play, uh, if he can, he's one of those guys where he can be really amazing, and then he can do something really stupid and cost you a game. So it's going to be fun watching him. And then Delvin Cook, the running back, that dude. It's yeah. a real deal. I mean, he's, he's fun to watch. He's bad, so bad tune man. in the night. Yeah, well, yep. Sean McGuire, the quarterback for Florida State, won't be starting. He's hurt. Um, he's kind right. of he's kind of what I call a game manager to some degree. He's not going to kill you. He's not going to wow you. So I'm interested to see what Francois – I mean, Francois could win a job here tonight. If he puts on a good True. exhibition, he could win a job. You're very right. And then uh, do you guys plan on watching that uh, – the Florida State uh, show they're be having on Showtime where they're following through the whole season. It looks pretty interesting. I would like to, but I don't think I have Showtime. And if you can't get it on some other avenue, I don't know. I may have to go get Showtime. I'd like to watch it because I heard the Notre Dame one was really good last year. It, it was. It's kind of like if people don't know. It's if you watch Hard Knocks, it's it's similar to that, but it's going through the whole year, the whole year with yeah. them, not just you know preseason. So it's, it should be an interesting show to watch. It's better because you get to see them react after games actually that matter instead of. You know, I, I guess in some aspects you don't have to, oh, my God, this is the 53 cut and this is my life and my job. You don't have to worry about that so much. But, you know, it's actually better in the fact that you actually get to see the whole year play out. Yeah, yeah I, so, think I'm, I think I'm going to try to find it and, and watch some of it. I watched a little bit of Notre Dame last year, and I, I found it pretty interesting. I, of course, me, I'm interested in that stuff. So, I don't know. I'm going I'm to try to tune in. Okay. Uh, rounding this thing out this week. Uh, the, and uh, we will do another show, a preview show for next weekend later on this week. So if you really like listening to us, the few of you out there, then we'll be back. But running out the review show this week, uh, a couple little fun things I wanted to throw in. Uh, if your mascot is a Wildcat, you had a rough weekend. You went 0-8. All Wildcat teams that played lost all games, which I thought was a kind of a funny stat. Like, who the heck tracks this crap? The Schwab. Yeah. That's about, that's about yeah, it. Yeah. I saw it on ESPN and Reddit. So, so um Little, we're gonna we're gonna do. I don't know if this is gonna become a, a reoccurring segment or not, but we're gonna say throwing. We're gonna call it throwing shade at the SEC. Is that what we're gonna call it? Sounds good to me. Something like that. Um, what the heck was, what that? was that? I don't know. Somebody hit something. Anyway, uh, that was sorry. the throwing shade intro. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so throwing shade at the SEC. Um, little bit they didn't have such a great weekend and anytime we get a chance to pick on the sec like i said hey why not mississippi state big old vaunted sec defense loses at home to south alabama 21 20 on a doink on a missed field goal god awful Uh, from 29 yards yeah yeah uh kentucky mark stoops team over there they lose they lost to southern miss you know who can be decent offensively at times but you know still vaunted sec school against southern miss Arkansas. I didn't even know Kentucky had football, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas, 
you know, this is everybody. If you've watched, they made a show about Bielema falling him around this summer. It's called Being Being Bielema or Being Brent. They played all over the SEC network and all that crap. Being jackass. Yeah, uh, being a large man who can't find a good tailor. But th- they did all this stuff, and you know, Arkansas. This was kind of somewhat with Texas. This was kind of going to be their year. You know, they're going to finally start being serious and contender. You know, they might even beat Alabama. I heard a, they got a good shot at beating Alabama. Yeah, um, they beat La Tech by one point, and they had to score a touchdown late to do it. They should have lost the game. Yeah, they should have. Yep. The vaunted La Tech. So, uh, also, following on that theme, Florida, the big bad Gators. Yeah, if you're not familiar, the University of Massachusetts, you know, good basketball program back when we were kids. They actually have a football team there, believe it or not. Florida led them by a whopping three points for three quarters. And had it to have two late touchdowns just to make it look like it wasn't that big a deal. And I actually saw some of the highlight shows that the SEC Network had put forward, and they didn't even mention the first three quarters. They immediately fast forwarded to the last half of the game, fourth quarter for the game. So, of course, got an agenda there. Yeah. So that score doesn't. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, when uh, Alabama was playing the number one team in FCS last year, and they had that number yeah, one in the box the rankings ranking. on there. So it looked like Alabama <laughs> was beating the number one team in the country. Yeah. What. Well, <laughs> You know, one one thing that I read too was uh, out of all out of all the conferences in CAA, the SEC had the worst weekend other than the MAC as yeah, far as right. records this week. So I mean, they they kind of took it on the chin. And they're not done yet. They still got one more tonight. Uh, Missouri. Don't worry though, SEC fans will always cheer on Alabama. Yeah, hey, we got Alabama right. When they yeah. win a national title, we all win national titles. Um, Mizzou, which you know. I'm partial to any time they get their butt whipped because of what, you know, the whole leaving the Big 12 thing. Um, they lost to West Virginia. And West Virginia, honestly, the score wasn't indicative, indicative of what happened. West Virginia pretty much shut them out in every way possible. Um, South Carolina, they beat Vanderbilt, fellow SEC opponents there, and what, in my opinion, was the most boring, average-looking teams I've seen so far this weekend. Anybody else feel, share that sentiment? Well, I didn't watch it, and I'm glad I didn't. Well, Vanderbilt was actually favored to win by five. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it, that, that tells you where South Carolina is right now. They're, they're in bad shape. Those two teams set offense back by about 20 years. I mean, that was god-awful. Yeah, I know Spurrier didn't leave that South Carolina team in good shape at all when he left. Oh, no, his recruiting. Well, you know, and we had heard rumors of the recruiting and tactics people were taking to him. Oh, he's going to leave. He's getting old, da 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 And apparently some of it was true because he left the cupboard pretty empty there. Um. Anybody else got anything to add to that one? No. Nope. You're you're leaving off uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh no, I, yeah. I, I've got that. Oh, okay, I meant that game. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, of course the Vols were. And my what I have here is they were afforded a comedy of errors by App State because App State found every way possible to lose that game. Yes, they should have lost. Or Tennessee should have lost. Yes, sorry. Tennessee should have lost, including the very end, getting lucky where Josh Dobbs got absolutely smoked by a linebacker and you know fumbled the ball and happily Tennessee fell on it. So. Yeah, I uh, I've got another comment on Dobbs. I don't know what that dude's doing with his hair. I don't know if he's going bald or what, but he needs <laughs> to figure something out. His forehead keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. And I where, hate to pick on the guy, but man, where the hell did his eyebrows go? Like he does, it just, there's no breakup. That's the problem. It's just eyeballs, forehead, hairline. Like there's no, I don't know. And and here's the thing too with him and going to his playability. I'm done. He's 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 what I thought. I'm convinced now. He's not a great – they kept saying, oh, there's people saying he's the second-best quarterback in the SEC. I just, yep, I, I did hear that. I just, I'm sorry. And, and the SEC has bad quarterback play, awful. Especially with Hurts at Alabama, I fully don't believe that now. Like, If, if he's the second-best quarterback in the SEC, 
the SEC is in worse shape than I thought. They are. He is. He's a game manager with a decent runner, and he's never going to lie you with his arm. He's never going to throw you into a better position with his arm or anything like that whatsoever. So Watch enough. Out, Trevor Knight looks like he's moving up the poles into. Oh yeah, yeah. The number two quarterback. Trevor had a good game. Keith Ford had a good game. So former Sooners really helped AM in there. Yep. So anyway, that's uh, getting there. We're getting along the timeline there where we need to wrap the show up. So anything anybody else want to add for the week for the review before we go into next week's preview? I'm just interested in seeing the Knights game. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. Colin, yep. you got also, tune in, tune in later on this week. Should have something out, what, Thursday we're going to try to do for a uh, preview of next week's game. Yep. Yeah, and follow us on Twitter, uh, Big XII Country. Um, follow us along there. We we've been um, doing some some tweeting during the games, uh, which is pretty entertaining a lot of times. So you can always <laughs> yeah. check us out on that too. If you're fo- if you're a tw- if you're on Twitter, please follow us. We're trying to build a follower base. I mean, that's what we would like to do. And I can't I can't ask you guys questions and opinions if you're not there to know who to ask. So if you got any, even if you don't want to tweet back at us on your own. Just follow us so we know who to hit people up. If you don't, I know some people don't enjoy live tweeting as far as seeing it on their timeline. Some people get irritated by it. Let us know. I mean, we we got people that, I mean, there's enough of us we can at least handle, to a degree, handle a lot of it that's going on. And it'll get easier as you got Big 12 teams playing each other and there's fewer games to have to control and all that. But anyway, do that. Uh, Also, Big Country at Gmail. Big 12 Country. Big XII Country at at Gmail. Gmail. I screw that up every show. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and uh, anyway, hit us up, let us know, and uh, look for us. Look, look for us later on in the week, guys. Until then, until next time, everybody, say bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. bye.